Welcome to Raymond James Stadium. It's the 2023 home opener. South Florida Bulls against Florida A&M. Standard September day in the Tampa Bay area. It's warm, it's humid, it's a little overcast. There's been some rain in the area, but none right now. And we're looking forward to what should be a great night for football as the Bulls try to get their first win of this young season. It's FBS versus FCS, but don't get hung up on that. I can tell you for a fact the Bulls aren't. This Florida A&M team comes in on a 10-game winning streak, including a win last week over their arch rival Jackson State. Bulls trying to continue showing progress after their opening season road loss last week against Western Kentucky. We've got a busy two hours coming up, a few new wrinkles in the pregame show that we hope you'll enjoy this evening. Our friend Sam Barrington is at an event in Washington, D.C. tonight. He won't be with us. Joey Johnston moves up to the booth. Ryan Urquhart has sideline duty. Derek Sharp has been milling around the areas outside of the stadium checking out the tailgate action he's got all sorts of good stuff coming up and so does Jim Lighthall getting our pregame started all right thank you very much Jim we are high above the floor of Raymond James Stadium for the home opener for the USF Bulls USF of course getting ready to take on Florida A&M fifth meeting all time between these two schools and the previous four have all been played right here at Raymond James Stadium the Bulls have won all of the previous four meetings and the last time they met was 2021 when USF beat the Rattlers 38 to 17 in fact the second most points ever scored by USF in school history happened against this bunch back in 2011 when the Bulls hung a 70 spot on them in fact that was the most points the Bulls have ever scored in this stadium remember first game ever against Kentucky Wesleyan when the Bulls were back at Houlihan Stadium this Bulls team has had four of their five head coaches all time have won their home opener Willie Taggart the lone exception there losing to an F CS team in McNeese State remember back in 2013 but this offense scored some points last week against Western Kentucky they scored 24 of them that's now nine straight games going back to last season where they scored 23 or more and Alex Golish is looking for his first win as head coach of the South Florida Bulls as Jim mentioned this Florida A&M team is really good they are on a 10 game win streak they've won three straight on the road the last time they went on the road and lost was against North Carolina last season. And by the way, this is their only FBS opponent this year. So they're going to be up and ready to take on the South Florida Bulls. Willie Simmons in his sixth year, he had a three-year stint at Prairie View A&M. We'll talk about him as the day goes on. And this is the SWAC favorite. Remember, they're not in the MEAC anymore. They're in the SWAC. They're the favorite out of the 12 teams there. Busy two hours for you as we get you ready for the South Florida Bulls and the Florida A&M Rattlers. Derek Sharp in the South parking lot. With we'll touch base with him in just a moment as the Stampede comes into Raymond James Stadium. We've got that covered for you. That's coming up as well. Just getting underway for South Florida and Florida A&M from Raymond James Stadium on this Saturday. This is the home of the Bulls. Welcome back to Raymond James Stadium. Jim Lighthall with you on this Saturday night. 7 o'clock kick between the South Florida Bulls and the Florida A&M Rattlers. 
You know the parking lots open around 2 o'clock today. The gates to the stadium will open at 530 about 15 minutes before we hit the air though the stampede arrived and it's back to the original starting point and original route there at the south end of lot 6D. Derek Sharp was amongst 117 Bulls and the coaching staff. Right behind Alex Golish. Coach, really impressive to see the family, the first guys you greet. How important are they before we get into football? That's what it's all about, man. It's it's about our family, and and then hopefully as they integrate, they're, we're all part of the same family. They look ready to roll. What about this reception we're getting right now? Yeah, really cool, man. It's, uh, it's what it's all about, college football. You know, it's about the fans, about our alums, and our team, certainly. And about this game, probably the m biggest question on everybody's mind is, are the Bulls looking ahead to next week? I know they're not, but do you have to even imprint that on your team? No, we got to go have the best 60 minutes of football we've had. Thank you for the time. Thank you, guys. Go do it. This is quite a show, if you can't tell. There's Minnie McCord from lacrosse. And you hear the crowd? It is a wonderful. There's KP, very business-like but cool at the same time and the team incidentally doing the smart thing here not wearing hey what's that albert good to see you not wearing the suits going with the polos and pants and ready to get into gear gary behannon strolling right by real quick derek sharp with minnie mccord real quick on our pregame show you wanted to be a part of this tell me about it oh man i love the bulls like we're here to cheer them on we're pumped we have all of our official visits here game day and we're living the dream here at the buck stadium i know it's football season but tell us you, there's byron brown right there what's up baby good to see you can people come see the lacrosse team pretty soon? It's, yeah. it's around the corner, right? Yes, yeah, we're going to have some um, fall ball play days September 30th and October 28th. So we're going to try on October 28th to do some rules 101. Yes, I need that. And then show everybody what it looks like and meet the team. And I swear I'm not hitting you up for this, but now that I look at your hat, any chance I can get a USF lacrosse hat? Just for you. Thank Just you. you. Thanks, Coach. Bye. She is here, and a lot of Bulls fans are here. It's funny. All the familiar faces and then some new ones that I've seen over the course of the years. All right, now it's time for the fashion police. A lot of South Florida Bulls stuff. A lot of youngsters wearing the cheer, like the mini cheerleading gear. You've got all ages down here. And let me tell you, this is something you can take part in. If you missed out today, I have a feeling that next week there might even be more energy. A ton of energy. I alluded to it with the coach as it's going to be the Alabama Crimson Tide. They arrive at about two hours and 15 minutes before kickoff. So next week, that'll be 1.15. Make sure you plan accordingly. Gonna swing by Michael Kelly here. I'm not gonna put him to work. Lalo Prado in his cigar lounge. Of course, of course Lalo Prado has a cigar lounge. I think that's a pricey ticket to get in there. Yes, they also have a police escort, but Looks like traffic wasn't that bad on a Saturday afternoon. So, yeah, two hours and 15 minutes before kickoff, the stampede hits basically right in the middle of the south end of the stadium in the parking lot, 6D to be specific, right near. What's going on, Mr. Fishman? Good to see you guys. Yeah, all the big names are here. We'll be doing this every single pregame show, getting you the vibe from the head coach. First thing is I thought that was Billy Atterbury for a second. Is that, is that who it is? What's going on? Billy Atterbury, real quick. I heard you just say there's Dono. 
Yeah, you guys go way back. Always, always the best dress. Let always me the best dress. <laughs> let me ask you, do you prefer this attire? I mean, no no suits necessary going to a game? I like it. Yeah. I think it's, you know, the, the main goal is to play well, not necessarily always look good. <laughs> and last, so winning the game is what's the most important thing. And last question, because I, I didn't, you, you obviously didn't know you were going to be put to work here. Uh, what did you think about the O-line last week for a new group? I thought they were pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, obviously they don't have as many starts together, but uh, I think that it'll only get better as the season goes. There he is, Dono. his buddy, Dono. Thank you, Billy. Good to see you. Good to see you. We were just talking about them not really being dressed up, but Dono was. All right, we're walking into the band. It's going to get too noisy. That's going to wrap it up for week one from the Stampede. All right, that's Derek Sharp down there from the south end of Lot D, walking in with the team and the coaching staff, and we'll be doing that each and every home game. And the Bulls, of course, taking on Florida A&M here this afternoon, or actually this evening, a 7 o'clock kick between these two teams. And as Jim mentioned at the very top of the broadcast, this is not your typical FCS opponent. This is a Florida A&M team that won nine games for two consecutive seasons. They went 9-2 and two last year, 7-1 and one in the SWAC East. They were only bettered by Jackson State, who was coached by Deion Sanders. Uh, you want to talk about getting some revenge? Jackson State beat Florida A&M last year 59-3. They turn around and beat Jackson State last Sunday down in Miami, 28 to 10. This team is legit. Willie Simmons is legit. Now, remember, Willie Simmons was a potential candidate for this head coaching job at South Florida that eventually goes to Alex Golish. Alex Golish this week, by the way, I thought he said something really telling about his football team when he was talking about how they performed at Western Kentucky. You know, you've got a whole new system on offense, a whole new system on defense. He was really worried going in on how the personnel was going to adjust to those things in game conditions, especially pre-snap penalties, not being in the right formation. And when he said game one, year one, is the toughest game that he would have as the head coach, he was pleasantly surprised with how well his personnel got lined up didn't shoot themselves in the foot multiple times. Now, they did have 11 penalties for 100 yards, but most of that was within the realm of the game. It wasn't being lined up in the wrong position. This is an offense that can score points, as I said, but the defense was much improved. They did give up the last 17 points of the game at Western Kentucky, and that eventually got away from them. And of course, a strip score on a, on a sack were the final seven points. The defense obviously looked much improved from a year ago. We got a lot of injuries to get to over the next couple of hours too. Alex Golish told us earlier this week that the Bulls were going to be healthier at the wide receiver spot. Yusuf Terry was a guy we are really excited to see again this year. He is expected to play today. We'll go through some of the other guys as well. RJ Perry, the starting right tackle, a little banged up. We'll see whether or not he's in the starting lineup on the opposite side of Donovan Jennings at that tackle position. So the Bulls will be in their traditional green on green today with the gold helmets. Kind of feels like 2007, 2008 again when you see these guys run out on the field. But again, they will hit the field at 7 o'clock tonight. When we come back, Joey Johnston will join us for the first time. We'll take a look back to this date or this date close to uh, a day close to this date in USF history. And we'll also get you around the horns again with Derek Sharp. All of that ahead on the pregame show here on Bulls Unlimited. Pre-game show continues. It's USF and Florida A&M tonight from Raymond James Stadium. Jim Lighthall back with you. You know, there's a guy 
here in the booth that has been here for the previous four meetings between these two schools. And by God, why wouldn't he be here for the fifth one as well? Joey Johnston, who has actually moved up to the booth for this game today. No Sam Barrington. Joey gets out of the sun and what we thought was going to be the rain earlier. But now you're in the comfy confines of the air conditioning. Welcome aboard, Mr. Johnston. Thank you. I've been promoted. Uh, it's nice to see how you guys live up here. It's really comfortable. Don't get used to it. Uh, I know. AAA I'll, is I'm, one phone call away. I'm ready to go back to steerage <laughs> as, as soon as next week. <laughs> how are you feeling about this one tonight? You know what? I don't know if you want my prediction right now. It's uh, a little early. I'm not feeling good about it, to be honest with you. Whoa. I, uh, what? I, I have tons of respect for Florida A&M yeah. and what they do. Uh, that being said, I, I expect a, a tussle. <laughs> I won't give you a score pick at this moment unless you hold my, a gun to my head, but this is not going to be easy, guys. This is not going to be easy. The Bulls are going to have to play very well to win this game. Well, you know, in the offseason, what tends to happen by people that write articles in, about college football, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about other people, but uh, they always look for the FCS upset over an FBS opponent. This is what goes on in the summer, and I'm not going to lie, this was one of the ripe candidates for one of those type upsets. Because Florida A&M is so good, because they've won multiple games, because Willie Simmons was a candidate for this job, because a lot of the kids on the Florida A&M roster, Joey, were snubbed maybe by USF or UCF or some other schools in state. Yeah, and they, they have some talented playmakers and they have a really good coaching staff. They can move the ball. I mean, they are, they are the type of team that can beat some FBS teams on a given Saturday. So uh, approach this game with caution. I think that's what we're all going to have to get used to here. And hopefully the Bulls will improve and, pl and play well because, frankly, I think they're going to need to. Well, hopefully it's green and gold at the end of the day and not green and orange. When we take a look back to this date in South Florida Bulls history, we kind of look at the second week in September, and that's exactly what Joey has done. Yes, uh, this date in uh, USF history, we go back to 2007. On this particular date, we were still reveling in the 26-23 overtime win against Auburn at Auburn at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, this being 2007, if memory serves correct, Jim, I think you called me on your BlackBerry and said, can you believe what you're seeing here? And I responded on my BlackBerry and said, no, I can't. This is what a game this is. You, you might remember the Bulls uh, went up and down the field, but they could not make field goals. Delbert Alvarado was one of five at one point. Auburn had taken the lead late in regulation. And here's a play that nobody remembers. Jerome Murphy went 59 yards with kickoff return that set up another Delbert Alvarado field goal attempt at the regulation gun, and he made this one, and it went into overtime. And, of course, we all know uh, Auburn scored first with a field goal, and USF won the game on the Matt Grothy to Jesse Hester Jr. touchdown pass on Matt Grothy's 21st birthday. It was a road win against an SEC opponent. And really, there's a lot of things that happened in that 2007 season, but none of it happens without USF going up to Auburn and winning that game. Never forget the Murphy kick return. It, it is very undervalued. And when you talk about the, the, the story of that game, and then Alvarado's last field goal win, I don't know who had confidence in him, to, to step up there and make that last field goal because it was a tough angle as well, but he knocks it through. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think uh, Jim Levitt at the time, he he uh, sent the kid out there. I don't know if a lot of head coaches would have sent him out there for that last one, but he did. 
he had faith in him, and Delbert did see some better days, but that, that wasn't one of them. But he did make the, the kick that allowed USF to win that game, so you have to give him credit for that. All my buddies go to a road game every year for USF, and that year they went to Auburn and still talk about the eagle that flies around Jordan-Hare Stadium and just said, hey, goosebump city to watch that still to this day, obviously. Yeah, I, yeah. I believe most veteran USF fans will say that was one of the great road contingents that this program has ever had going up to Jordan-Hare Stadium and, and then, uh, you know, 80,000 people essentially being quiet and USF fans going crazy up in the corner of the end zone. Joey, thank you. Maybe 10 years from now, next week, we'll be talking about the win over Alabama <laughs> here at Raymond James Stadium. We'll see. Hopefully, we're both still around for that inside the new football stadium on campus. All right, around the horns, Derek Sharp. A lot going on elsewhere around the school and uh, Nice little gift from TGH this week of $25 million that I know Michael Kelly will be speaking to Jim Lauk about in our second hour of the pregame show. But this is on the fields and on the courts in the case of soccer and volleyball. And we'll start off with a big win last night. The men's soccer team was 0-3 off last year's NCAA tournament team. Had played well in their first two matches but did not get a goal and then really didn't play well a week ago. All three losses were 2-0. So obviously, and I don't know if you guys are soccer experts, but to win a game, you generally have to score a goal. And in the first half, they were able to pull it off. Now Spangler looks at Anderson. Well, he's got Chetu off to his right side. Slots it to Anderson. He's in, onside, Jalen. And that's the goal! First of the season for the Bulls! Osmir Spangler has been serving up dimes all night. And Jalen Anderson beats the very difficult to beat Indiana goalkeeper. And it is 1-0 South Florida. The chances have favored the Bulls and finally they take advantage. And they had to withstand a tough Indiana attack. They went with a new alignment. Bob Uthorn went with three defensive players because he couldn't find an alignment that would get all three of his center defenders on the field at the same time. So they switched it up and all three of those guys uh, Brian Schaefer, Luca Holenstein, and Nick Scarville played key roles in that win. And that's over the 15th ranked team in the country and the defending national runner-up. Now another ranked sort, Clemson, comes to town on Tuesday night. The women's soccer team stepped out of the Division I realm, and they scored so many goals that I not only had to edit them, but I had to speed up my voice. Here are 13 goals in 60 seconds. There is a first goal for the Bulls, Georgia Brown on a suitor. And just like that, it is 2-0. Barely past two minutes in this contest. And it actually gets over the goalkeeper, and I believe that is a goal. Yes, it is. Another header for Georgia Brown. Man, she has come in clean, and it's 4-0 Bulls. High cross, can suitor get to it? She does. Heads it in. That was outstanding. The Bulls have a handful. They are a handful for Florida College tonight. It's 5-0. Well, looky here, a corner kick. Brown is the target, and a trifecta. And she's got a hat trick. Brown is around, and did she get it again? She did. Four goals. Shot save, rebound there to be put home. Another hat trick. Winds up, power and pace to the right side, and it's nine to nothing. Ball sent across, and another header, but this time off the post, and they'll go in. Number 10 on the night. Low ball in, and a one-timer by Hill. What a strike. Great shot, and it curls in. There's the record for most goals in a game in South Florida women's soccer history with number 12, and it's the first goal in Kendall Lincoln's career as a ball. Controlled by Hill, make it two for Mickey. And it is a Baker's does it. 15-0 was the final score. Now it's going to be tougher for the Bulls tomorrow as they go to UCF. Speaking of tough, the volleyball squad after winning on Thursday in South Dakota was playing South Dakota, the host of this event, obviously, last night. The team that's made it to the NCAA tournament four straight years. Bulls led in the fifth set, 
14 to 10, five or four match points, and they lost 16-14. Hard to do this, but they had 17 more kills than their opponent last night and lost and then had to turn around and play at 10 in the morning today and they fell in straight sets and drinks. Still, that volleyball squad has a lot to be positive about. That is our look around the horns. We will give you some of the great sound bites from this week, including from a brand new show that we, de we debuted on Bulls Unlimited. We'll also look at the scoreboard as we are getting towards the late afternoon. Some games are in the books. As the pregame show continues on Bulls Unlimited. Derek Sharp back here live, and we're gonna hear some great clips from earlier this week in just a couple minutes already doing a great job. The USF football Twitter or now XB putting out some video from that stampede that we had audio of. You'll see how basically Alex Golish, after Jeremy Lee's the equipment uh, manager, immediately went to his family, had a long race with his father, and it was just nice for him to give me some time there. We will do that at the beginning, basically the second segment of every one of our pregame shows. This is the segment where we give you some of the better clips from throughout the week audio-wise, including from last week's post-game where Golish got kind of emotional about some of the bulls that stuck around and used some pretty cool language to describe the effort of one Byron Brown. And then I think we're gonna have Todd Orlando featured every single week. That'll wrap it up. So first Coach Golish, then some clips from Bullseye, and we'll end it with the defensive coordinator. The guys that chose to come, you guys are part of building something incredibly special here. It's the first step of it. But certainly the guys that have stayed, and there's a core group of them, we wanted them to stay. And we wanted them to stay because we felt like they fit what we want, which is a bunch of tough-ass dudes that are going to go swing. And uh, I felt like those guys did that. Byron's third game that he's starting his entire collegiate career. Yeah, Byron's a tough-ass dude. Certainly really talented. I'm happy he's our quarterback. I think our team is happy he's our quarterback. He's tough, he's smart, he's gritty. Got hit a bunch today. We got to protect him better. He's a tough-ass dude, man. I'll ride with Byron any day of the week anywhere in the country. BJ Daniels, you know the actual benefit of a cold tub. Did you guys actually look forward to that stuff? Um, I know the benefit of it, but I've never experienced it. Um, what? Throughout my entire career, really? uh, I, was, I wasn't I uh, was tough enough uh, <laughs> to get in the cold tub. You mentioned tickets. Hmm. Anyone asking for tickets for the second home game, or is that like? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've not had one person ask for Alabama. Maybe game. just a few. <laughs> Better question: Has anybody not asked you about Alabama? Let's talk to you. I mean, it's incredible. Um, you know, my mom's side of the family is, is uh, you know, from Alabama, so it's interesting enough. Wow. People who haven't even seen me play want to come watch Alabama. And I, I'll say this: from an alumni standpoint, hmm. um, it was really exciting uh, just to see the brand of football that was out there, as far as uh, the excitement, um, the energy. Um, you know, and I can honestly say, you know, you know, despite, you know, you know, protecting the football is what we always want to do, you know, from a quarterback standpoint, but um, it was exciting and very encouraging to see. And I just want to, you know, commend you on that as well for getting that team ready. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. The, the, the biggest thing is there are, there are no moral victories, right? You, you've got you've to get the results that, that are expected, which right. is to win football games here. Right. You were here when that was the standard, and it's back to being the standard. So we've got to continue to work to, to get to a point where, the fourth quarter looks better than what it looked like, and and regardless of anything else, we got to get to a point where we're winning football games. But like I've said over and over again, you you win those games throughout your process, and you win those games throughout the week. And when you're playing good football teams, it, everything better be right. On bullseye, it's Doug Blue Eli from the defensive line. Going into middle school, uh huh. I started picking up weight and like really fast and. I had the good height, so like I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe I am a D lineman, D tackle. Did, did you have to take it easy on them little kids, or you know? And when I was younger in like midget little league, 
I used to like get left out of the hitting drills because I used to be bigger than a lot of them. So that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Today's guest in our alumni series that will feature a new alumni every week is Thor Joswiak. So I'm the, the current head coach at Clearwater. That's what we're trying to do here. All the things that I learned at, at South Florida, you know, so many coaches, you take all of those guys and you throw them into a toolbox and you try to formulate your philosophies and your brand and you try to teach that to the next generation of this game. Hey, go Bulls, baby! I want us to be so aggressive that it's almost like we got to calm down. I just don't want us to be passive. I never want us to be passive in anything. As a play caller, don't be passive. As a player, don't be passive. Let's, like, let it rip. Like, yeah. Shu's a great example of yeah. it. Like, hey, Shu, how many plays did you play last year? And he put, like, both his hands up. Like, is that 55? No, it's like 10. And we just went 73. They were part-time players. That's what they were. Now they're full-time dudes for us. And um, you always keep that in the back of your head. But, you know, with Barry Hill, it's just like probably the biggest thing that we found out is like this guy can do these things. He can play on the roof. Um, he can make checks. He can play down low. He, he's a, a unique skill set. He responds to coaching. Right? Yeah, man. I, I just tell you. Love the kid. Like, literally, like, my 10-year-old daughter, I drop him off with him and say, can you watch her for a couple hours? And I feel like nothing. Like, yeah. he, you're good. That was Todd Orlando talking about not only loving what they've seen from Logan Perryhill as a player, but as an individual. Some cool stuff there. And Jalen Shearer, an example of defensive players that really shined brightly last week. Hey, a uh, guy that's joining us tonight, he was with me at the men's soccer match last night. He was doing the TV side as Ryan Urquhart. We'll get his first check-in. We'll also hear from Joey Johnston and Mike Lofton. And don't forget, we end the hour with Get Crazy, including a big-time controversy over last week's segment that we will have to address on our first hour of the pregame show, heard exclusively on Bulls Unlimited. And welcome back to Raymond James Stadium. Pregame show continues. Jim Lighthall with you. It's the South Florida Bulls and the Florida A&M Rattlers coming up at 7 o'clock. I have another hour of pregame still to come. Once the clock hits six, our first chance to talk to Ryan Urquhart, who will be working the sidelines for this game today. Ryan, good to see you again. Welcome back this year. Yeah, happy to be back. Good to be back with the crew and excited for some football tonight, man. It's going to be a good one. Uh, this is obviously not your typical FBS, FCS matchup. When you look at this Florida A&M team that won nine games back-to-back -back years, they're ranked in, in both polls right now in the FCS. They have played their way right up the ladder. Yeah, well, Willie Simmons has done with this program. He's been nothing short of phenomenal. I mean, they're on a win streak dating all the way back to those first two losses of last year when they took on Jackson State, and we know how good they were with primetime, as well as North Carolina, who was another really good program under Mac Brown. So this is a very serious contender tonight. They're great in the passing game, and they're going to bring a lot to this team that they'll have to face. Tell me what you saw at a USF last week in Western Kentucky. Uh, obviously, the penalties were a problem. That's going to have to get cleaned up. It will get cleaned up, I would assume. I'm a little concerned with the offensive line. Now they push right. people around in the run game, but in the pass protection, they gave up five sacks. They gave up some tackles for losses as well. That's got to get cleaned up. Right, and one of those things when you speak to the offensive line is someone's played that position before. Chemistry plays such a factor, and this is a team with a lot of new pieces, a lot of things configuring this time of the year, and nobody relies on chemistry quite as much as those five guys up front. And if they can get clicking and they can get on the same page, sometimes it's unspoken, but you and I know this, Jim, is that week one to week two, that's usually 
really where we see the biggest jump in any team. So that's something that gives me a little hope for South Florida. Game one, you're going on and taking on the CUSA favorite in their place with all the excitement and one of the best passers in the country. I thought South Florida looked really, really sharp, and so we'll see if they can, can continue and improve on that tonight. You know, the Bulls ran 95 plays last week. Western Kentucky ran 73. Can they possibly improve on this ratio? I'm not sure you can improve on the ratio just with, with the clock runs now, yeah. but I'm certain that Alex Golish and company are going to try, and I think that is what's worked best about this offense is the speed with which they operate. And I think fans are really going to feel it in the stadium and listening tonight just how fast an Alex Golish offense moves. I think everybody knew that Alex Golish was going to bring an exciting offense, was going to bring a high-scoring offense here to South Florida. The big question was the defense coming in because they were so bad a year ago in a lot of different categories. Six three-and-outs in 14 Western Kentucky possessions. The improvement, we're seeing it. Can it continue right. to improve, though? Yeah, and you know, Todd Orlando said it this week that he just wants to see him relax and cut it loose. He said, I don't want to be the team that's always a half yard short on something. And that, you know, you've earned the right to fail, and that's okay. As long as you're learning and improving from it, that's what matters. And you could see it last week, the way they were flying to the ball. They were attacking. They came close to some turnovers, and that's just little execution details. And it goes back to the improvement week to week. And Todd Orlando has been in this business for a long time. I actually remember one time he came to where I was planning to come recruit some people. So he's been around for a while. He knows what he's doing, and I expect South Florida will have some improvement on that side of the ball. You know, one of the first things you said to me when you got in the booth about uh, two hours ago was the tackling. How much yeah. you liked the tackling last right. week. Yeah, the tackling was phenomenal, and that's the kind of fundamental stuff that really matters at this level. And it's easy to look over it because, you know this, the scheme, right? We get so caught up in, okay, well, we got this guy who's got a new creative name, and we got a nickelback, and we're trying to move these guys around and do these things schematically. At the end of the day, you've got to go out and execute. And if you're not executing the fundamentals to the highest capacity that you can, it's going to create problems. And I think that's what South Florida did really well this last week, right? And this week, you can put that together and take that next step as a defense. I think we could see some really fun things tonight because there's a lot of talent. We've been singing the praises of Florida A&M here a little bit, but there's chinks in the armor. They, they, they had some issues last year. Number one was penalties. They gave up a lot of penalties both in number and in yardage. Here's another thing, too, the hidden part of the game, punt returns. They, they gave up punt returns for touchdowns. The Bulls have electric guys at the skill positions. They might be able to sneak something out here. Right, and those are big momentum plays. When you talk about Splash special plays, teams, yeah. right, is you get a punt return, you get a kick return. It doesn't always have to be for a touchdown. A, a return of 50-plus yards, the crowd is into it. All of a sudden, you feel the momentum. Sports is such an art of momentum sometimes. And South Florida gets a play like that or Fanny relents something that yields an opportunity to get an athlete that South Florida has in space. It, it can create some problems for opponents. Going to be a fun one tonight, Ryan. We'll talk to you. I think you're actually stepping in, get crazy next week. Are you yeah. ready for this? I'm, I mean, I'm you've done it before. Ready. Listen, yeah. I got one. I got one in my head last year. You know, I was a little nervous first time. I was a freshman. Why wouldn't now you be? I'm a sophomore, sure. and I feel like I'm ready. I came in prepared today, so we're ready to execute. Ryan will be having the call of the game along with Jim Lauk and Joey Johnston coming up at the top of the hour, 7 o'clock. And, of course, he'll be with us next segment for Get Crazy. Quick weather check. Skies are beautiful right now. Partly cloudy, about 84 degrees at kickoff. Humidity, 64%. Feels like it's still 94, so uh, you're, you have that to look forward to, Ryan, a little bit. No rain chance virtually. We got all that out of the way earlier on. So I, I always catch a break when I come here. <laughs> poor, poor Joey gets thrown in the elements, and I always get the nice <laughs> weather. That's how it goes. All right, now we move on to the player profile. Guy who played at UCF is now a member of the South Florida Bulls. Here's offensive lineman Mike Lofton. Mike, uh, you're... Making the snaps, uh, transitioning over from other position on the offensive line. What is it like to um, uh, to learn how to snap and 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 be the guy who's who's has the ball in his hands every play? 
It's definitely a learning experience. Um, I had a little bit of first game jitters uh, coming out as my first start at center, but uh, the guys trusted in me, so I was able to take that and run with it and um, ultimately give Byron uh, good snaps and then take us take us in the right protection and uh, getting us hat it on hat. Is is it just a matter of repetition to feel comfortable at center? The more the more you do it, the better you feel. One hundred percent. Especially playing center, it's all muscle memory. So you always want to make sure going into a game that you're confident. Um, and then you also got to know how to snap and block too. So that's something that I also try to take pride in and also get extra repetitions with. So tonight you have the Florida A&M Rattlers coming in, your first home game of the year. What kind of atmosphere do you uh, look for tonight and how, how will you, you feed off that as a team with the home fans rooting you on? I look forward to everybody being engaged. Um, we're going to put a lot of points on the board. And the thing I'm looking forward most to is just having, seeing uh, all the fans back, um, them being engaged and everybody having a good time. So this will be the first time the fans have seen with their own eyes how fast you guys play. Mm-hmm. They might have seen it on television last week. Um, it's, all, it's all well and good, but for big guys up front, that's, that's a lot of uh, physical demands to, to, to play that fast. What is it like for you and your offensive linemen to play a whole game at that kind of pace? Yeah, it's a, it's a grueling task, but... Uh, once you once you feel like the defense is getting tired and you start to lean on them, and that's when that's when the big runs turn into even bigger runs and touchdowns, and the big throws turn into touchdowns as well. What did you like the most about the first game at Western Kentucky um, that you can build on for this week? I think we all played together. Uh, guys didn't quit through all four quarters. Um, you saw the tempo in the first half. Uh, the offense was able to execute at a high clip. Overall, just guys flying around, having a good time. So you, you scored the ball, you, you, you ran the ball very well, you threw a long touchdown pass. Did it give you a lot of encouragement in terms of what you guys can do the rest of the season in terms of putting points on the board? 100%. It gives us things to look at, things to work on, and it shows that we can do it, um, that we're able to put points on the board fast and that we could, do, we could really be the best offense in the country if we execute at a high level. So when you guys are operating on offense, it's very, uh, very important that you have the right concentration. You're asking your fans to, to be a little quiet when you're on offense. Yeah. Fans like to get rowdy sometimes. What would you tell fans about how that can help you when you're on offense, how, what, the, what their part can be in this? I told the fans, please try your hardest to be quiet so we can be locked in and so we can score. And so then y'all can get rowdy once we score. One of the slobber knockers up front, Mike Lofton, former UCF Knight, now a member of the South Florida Bulls. We are going to get crazy next. This is the home of the Bulls. Welcome back to Raymond James Stadium. It's the South Florida Bulls and the Florida A&M Rattlers tonight. We do have another hour of pregame coverage still to get to as uh, well there's there's more to talk about really. I Let mean, me tell you there's uh, some outstanding stuff. Todd Orlando who if you can't tell I'm a fan of. Uh, we actually went seven minutes with the pregame interview this week, and you're not going to be thinking around minute four. This is this. Let's wrap it up. No, you're going to be like in rapture with what he has to say. You're also going to hear Alex Golich speaking with Jim Lauk. That'll end our pregame show. Joel Gordon, who's a cool cat. One thing that I asked Orlando about, and you know he's down there on the field, and <laughs> Jim Lauk can attest he did a great job behind the scenes last week out shouting to the Western Kentucky coaches who were right next to our booth. And that was a challenge. If you guys didn't notice, whenever Jim raised his voice, it was a cause it was a cause Western Kentucky might have made a good play. And he had to, you know, do his sure. best to uh, blur out what was being said in the background. And Coach Orlando was like, wait till you hear what he has to say. He's like, basically, no, no, I don't have that going on in my booth. 
So I love that guy. So a lot of good stuff. And of course, Michael Kelly will join us live from the field in about uh, 30 minutes from now. Well, it's that time of the day. It's get crazy. And, you know, it's usually tough sledding early in the season for get crazy. A lot of guys come out with some crazy predictions and they're way, way off. We actually in the post game last week, we didn't award any correct get crazy predictions, Derek. And to which uh, did you get some I did. dispute when it I came did. to that? I did. I did. And this was a few days. This was five days later, I want to say. I threw the challenge flag. He yes. Did. <laughs> so we just assumed that everybody was well off with their prediction and no need to rehash my terrible pick or Jim's right. or Sam's. Right. They kind of, it goes without saying. Uh, now, when it comes to Joey Johnston, let's go ahead and play the clip of what he had to say and then we'll discuss it live on the air. No one's heard this since last week. My get crazy is a freshman will score twice for USF today. What? And I'm going to leave it with the mystery of the illusion. Who is that freshman going to be? I'm not going to tell you right now. I know. <laughs> now, there are many layers to this. Many yeah. layers to this. Yeah. One is none of us thought, wait a second, a redshirt freshman right. still counts as a freshman. Technically a freshman, right? Byron Brown would be a redshirt freshman as he only played in a couple games last year. And Joey Johnston? He did score twice. He absolutely did. He was a major part. Now, can you do me just the kindness of being honest and telling me, is that the guy you had in mind? Because you just heard it. You said, I know who it's going to be. I'm just not saying. Was it Byron Brown? <laughs> it was not. Oh! It was not. Wow. The guy I had You're in wrong, mind. You're wrong, then. The guy I had in mind, just, just to show you how crazy this is, he didn't play in the game. <laughs> Tyree Kelly. That's the guy. Uh, that's that's, that's the guy prediction. that Derek said in yes. the pregame right. he I, thought you I were talking spoke, about. Right. I interviewed Tyree Kelly on Thursday. Thought I had some intel that this guy might have a big role in the game, and it shows you how big my intel is. He didn't play in the game. Listen, However, listen as to I, our intel. It's, it's not the size of your intel that matters. As I <laughs> saw Byron Brown score on the field, I thought to myself, wait a minute. He's a freshman. I'm good. See, and that's what's so great about Get Crazy. We are all so selfish in thinking about the specific predictions. And uh, when something happens on the field, sure, if it's good for the Bulls, we're happy about that part of it. But really, we're thinking about it from a selfish perspective. That's what Get Crazy does to you. Well, Derek, I do appreciate you going back and pulling the tape because the tape doesn't lie. Joey, for your personal information, Tyree Kelly expected to play today. So if you want to double up, the, you double I, down on this whole thing, you can. Can I guess your prediction? A bull is going to have a good game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I've learned from my many, many years of Get Crazy is being conservative is, is the better way to go. <laughs> That's true. You know, That's uh, true. if you want to win. And I, I do want the Get Crazy belt that I, I heard exists. And no one's won it yet because no one's ever right. You're I had a Get Crazy belt in high school, but that's different. <laughs> You're off to a great start, Joey. You're 1-0. Oh. No one else has a He's correct right. prediction. So you get to go first this week. All right. I'll make it. Uh, I don't know how crazy it is. Uh, the Bulls will score a special team side. Touchdown All right. tonight. Okay. okay. All right. Not like uh, that. you know not that's pretty conventional, but I think tonight's the night we see a, a big return. Jo uh, De uh, Ryan and I just talked about that in the last segment, so very real possibility. Ryan, yeah. you can piggyback on this. Yeah, you know, uh, forget crazy. I've thought about this a couple of different ways, and I I'm going to go with this. This is more thought than anyone's ever given. To get crazy. <laughs> Wait a minute, <laughs> Ryan. First rule: get crazy. Don't think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then we'll say this: three different South Florida running backs will score a touchdown tonight. Running back specifically. Ooh. I like that. I so like Byron that. Brown does not count. Byron Brown does not count okay. as a running back. I'll put that stipulation right. on myself. I won't so, keep it too general. So we have we have put him in a box here. You know, <laughs> way to play good defense there, Joe. There you go. We have there three you go. running backs that are going to get carries tonight. 
I very real possibility that this happens. I, I love this. You did. That we need to start thinking about get crazy. <laughs> Wait a minute. He did <laughs> Wait a minute. This is new. You he did homework. Think, you have to think about this. Stuff? Are you kidding? <laughs> I just thought of something in the last five seconds. Yeah. Simba for six is going to happen tonight. Simba is the nickname of Michael Brown Stevens, and everyone's going, "Whoa, what? Did it tell Supposed me more." To play tonight. There will be a longer story to that. You'll you'll know why that's his nickname. But the transfer receiver from Minnesota, Simba for six, is happening. He'll score a touchdown. All right, so I my get crazy today is going to be, I think the defense is going to get a touchdown, not on an interception, but on a scoop and score. Somebody's going to pick one up and race it to the other end. That's a relatively easy get crazy. How about this? Alabama, Nick Saban, you better watch out for Texas because I got two words for Nick Saban today. Trap game. They're looking ahead to the Bulls next week, point. and they're weren't, they're not worried about Texas. They're Texas thinking about win. USF right here next Makes, week. Yeah, the real bovine school. The, the, these boring analysts seem to think that Alabama's focusing on Texas. Come on, top and then Ole Miss after that, they don't know that the Bulls are on Saban's mind. Another hour of coverage coming up right here on Bulls Unlimited. <laughs> Week one in Bowling Green, a mixed bag for this new South Florida football team. Plenty of positives. The running game was dominating at times, racking up almost 400 yards. Hand off, Dukes up the middle and into green space to the 50. Jukes to the outside, gets to the 40. Big gain for South Florida. K1 Powell, the running back. He gets the carry, he breaks into the secondary to the 20. That's a big gain for him. Give it to Wright, he cuts it back, going to the right side. That's a gain of 12, it puts Wright over 100 yards. The passing game, a little inconsistent, but there certainly were moments. He's gonna throw long here, and he's got a man. It's caught by Chaffrey Brown, and Brown is gonna go all the way. That's six for the Bulls. Touchdown, South Florida. <laughs> 84 yards yeah. on the play. The defense did a better job on third down, and the team played hard throughout. You'd love to see this type of defensive play coming from these guys, man. That's what USF is known for. Showing a toughness that pleased their head coach. We're a tougher football team than I guess maybe I anticipated to be able to go see guys put it on the line and lay out and make plays, and I, I'm talking both sides of the ball. There are things to work on, though. No sacks for the Bulls' defense, the turnover battle was lost and there were 100 yards in penalties and the main objective winning the football game wasn't met but there is optimism and a feeling that things are on the right track as Florida A&M comes to town for the Bulls home opener the Rattlers have never beaten the Bulls but they are on a 10 game winning streak it'll be a challenge tonight as the Bulls try to give Alex Golish his first win as a head coach the Bulls and Florida A&M next. This is the South Florida Bulls Radio Network pregame show. Presented by Florida Blue. Rolling to the right. Keeps it, runs it. He's got the first down and more. Breaks the tackle. He's going all the way. Touchdown, South Florida. We're 60 minutes from kickoff. To get you ready for today's action, you'll hear from Vice President of Athletics, Michael Kelly, Offensive and Defensive Coordinators, Joel Gordon, and Todd Orlando. 
We'll tell you how the Bulls can make victory possible with USF Health. And, of course, get the final pregame thoughts from head coach Alex Golish. Back of the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Bulls take the lead. To kick things off, here's the voice of the Bulls, Jim Lauk on 102.5 The Bulls. Beautiful night at Raymond James Stadium. Warm, humid, but no rain in the area. And the Bulls have their home opener tonight as they host Florida A&M. Bulls are 0-1 after their loss in Bowling Green, Kentucky last week. Florida A&M beat their nemesis, Jackson State, in week one. They're coming in off a short week. They played on Sunday last week. But the Rattlers are 1-0, and and they have won 10 games in a row. Sam Barrington will not be with us tonight. He'll be back next uh, week as the Bulls play Alabama. Joey Johnston comes up to the booth for this one. And, Joey, one of the ways that college football has changed, and there are a multitude of ways, but one of the ways is FBS versus FCS. You used to have matchups like this, and you'd have a pretty good feel well before the game about what was going to happen. But the playing field has narrowed a little bit. These two teams are a little bit closer than they might have been in the past. A lot of transfers from major programs on both sides. Florida A&M on a long winning streak. Bulls on a long losing streak. So FBS versus FCS, you can say it all night long, but this is not going to be an easy task for South Florida tonight. No, absolutely will not. And thank you, Jim. It's good to be up here with you uh, this evening. Uh, the transfer portal works for FCS, too. They can get players from all corners of the, of the globe if they choose. So the, the continuity of an FBS program in the past isn't quite the same. And the talent acquisition level of the FCS has changed. You can upgrade your roster a lot more quickly. And what you mentioned before, Florida A&M is a winning program. They're used to winning over the last couple of years. USF is not used to winning. So I think those are intangible factors you cannot ignore tonight. Second of three consecutive home games for the Bulls as they try to even their record at one and one. A lot to get to this hour. Vice President of Athletics Michael Kelly will join us. We'll get the updates on all the stadium news that occurred this week. And we'll have a good visit also with Alex Golish, who will let us know exactly what he is expecting from his Bulls tonight. Ryan Urquhart will work the sidelines tonight. Jim Lighthall and Derek Sharp will take you through the hour when we come back after this timeout on the South Florida Bulls Radio Network. Welcome back to Raymond James Stadium, the site of USF and Florida A&M tonight. Kickoff set for 7 o'clock between these two teams. Fifth meeting all time. Bulls have never lost to the Rattlers, and all four meetings, previous four meetings, have happened here in Tampa, so we'll do it again tonight. Hey, coming up in just a moment, Joel Gordon, the offensive coordinator, will join us. But first, the Florida Lottery game outlook as Derek Sharp alongside to run down some of the different X's and O's that we like to dive into for this game tonight. And uh, Derek, let's talk about the offense because I think we have two very explosive offenses for this game tonight. I didn't think I was going to see the Bulls run the ball the way they ran it at Western Kentucky. I was pleasantly surprised, but 374 yards on the ground, that's second best in the country right now. 
Second best in the country. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And you know what? They could have some success tonight. I don't know if they'll be still second in the country after the night ends, but there's a possibility they go that route. And for those that are wondering, you know, is it always their game plan or is it they just responded to how Western Kentucky was loading things uh, up in the secondary, sort of daring them to run? The answer is they kind of knew. They kind of knew that's yeah. you know, being around the team, you get the idea that it was going to be a run heavy game. On the other side of that, they could have some success, but expect it to be more balanced tonight. But yeah, the uh, and, and it was it was really interesting to see how Naquan Wright just burst on the scene. He's a guy that actually just a couple of years back at Florida caught more passes than he actually had rush attempts. So he's a guy that can do it all. We didn't have to see it last week. We saw enough from him and the rest of the crew. And I think it's always just going to be uh, the word that Joel Gordon used just about a month ago. And his philosophy was two and a half running backs a game. So you're going to have two guys hit roughly split the carries and I guess right now K1 Powell will be that third guy and he showed out as well and then you throw in Byron Brown running the football the guy had a hundred and well, 160 yards on the ground against Western Kentucky you look at his three career starts Derek you don't talk about his passing you talk about his running 76 109 and 160 yards rushing in those three games and 25 attempts which you know that's not always the true indicator it's how many were planned Paul rushes only about six or seven of those were scrambles so they are really trying to give him that option to do it why not Florida A&M in a very similar situation they've got a stable of running backs they had a lot of balance against Jackson State last week 11 carries 11 carries nine carries for their three running backs 75 yards 72 yards 37 yards but then they've got a quarterback as well preseason all swag first teamer Jeremy Musa guy that uh, started off his career at Vanderbilt so obviously a D1 type talent and really didn't have to do too much last week. It was one of those games where they established both sides, but they really tried to go run first. They were up 28-0 and kind of cruised. When you're up 28-0, guess what? You're not throwing the ball over the yeah. place. You're just yeah. winding down the clock. So they can do it even more so than they did last week. And yeah, all swag for a reason. As for the defensive side of the ball, the Bulls got no takeaways. They got no sacks. Those are the two things that this defense is going to have to do this season to have success. And last week in its win, FAMU did have two takeaways and didn't cough the ball up itself. And it was funny because the Bulls went up against a great quarterback who's not going to give you many chances at picks. But when they're there, you got to take him. And honestly, I don't think Western Kentucky is going to throw many interceptions this week or this year. And They'll probably prove me wrong and get picked three times today, but I seriously doubt it. So I don't know if that is the, the easiest litmus test at the beginning. Today, they should be able to, and let's find out if it actually happens, pressure the guy we were just talking about, Jeremy Musa, maybe into some off-balance throws, and those are the ones you got to pick on. You know, something we talked about with Ryan and with Joey in the first hour of the pregame show was special teams and whether or not the Bulls can score touchdowns or maybe whether or not they can hold down Florida A&M who ran the opening kickoff back for a touchdown last week against Jackson State. And their top receiver last week happened to be the nation's leader in punt returns just a couple of years ago. They also have an excellent punter. So the, eh, the punt game might favor the other team, although let's shout out Andrew Stokes what he did last week for the Bulls. He was fantastic. You know, you talk about hidden yardage in the course of the game, and the Bulls right now are fourth in the country in punt return defense. They're giving up minus one yard per return. That's not bad, Derek. It's not at all. And uh, there were some and, and you really hit it right there with the hidden yards because there were momentum shifts in that game that kind of got stemmed by a booming kick. And let's hope there's not as many punts today for the Bulls, but if they need to go that route, they've got a guy. Well, we started off this segment talking about offense because we expect a lot of it in this game today. Let's hear from Bulls offensive coordinator, Joel Gordon. 
there was a lot, especially the quick start, and you, you know, saw it all happened. Uh, the thing that everyone focuses on, I think I'll do the same thing here, is well over 300 yards rushing. Was that the plan going in, or did you adjust and see what they were presenting on the other side? Yeah, the, the plan is to be able to, you know, execute the game plan and the, the plays that we were calling. Obviously, we had a pretty good feel for the scheme that we were going to get, and our, our kids did a great job of blocking and executing. So our ability to just to continue to take what the defense is going to allow us to do is going to continue to be our priority and not try to force things you know that, that don't fit. But being physical on the offensive line, we have a really good group of running backs, and you know I, I think for those guys, we got to continue to build on that and just continue to gain confidence in, in our ability to run the football. But that was awesome to see. And it should open up more opportunities to have, you know, one-on-ones in the pass game moving forward. But at the same time, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to be upset about the ability to run the football. Especially with the three options you had, and I loved how you got all of them fed. But did you, obviously you knew that you had a pretty solid running option in Byram, but did that, did that even surprise you a little bit? You know, it's the first time that I've had a chance to see him in person in a live tackling situation for 60 minutes. And he was excellent. He was excellent. You know, he, he, it's almost, you know, he, he's a graceful runner. He, it, sometimes it doesn't look like he's hardly moving, but he's running by people and making a miss. He does a great job of not taking bad shots. So, you know, it was very exciting to see that, man, he, he showed up in that part of the game as a really good weapon for us. But completely surprised, no. Uh, pleasantly surprised with some of it, uh, absolutely right. So I, I'm really excited for him moving forward, and we got to keep him healthy. You mentioned the offensive line. I'll always take the chance to praise them, and Coach Gola sure did to the media earlier this week. He said that one thing that pleasantly surprised him was how tough they were overall as a team, but that group especially. Did you know you kind of had that going on? You know, I, I, I did. Um, and I think we did as a, as a coaching staff. I think for me, about the last two weeks of training camp, I felt like there was a big shift in just the mentality that, you know, we are good enough to do this and we're going to do this. And those guys are gritty. They're tough. Um, you know, they work really hard in practice. And the biggest thing for, for those guys is just seeing, man, we, we just went out here and ran the football against a pretty good pretty good defense you know in week one and continuing to iron out you know the things that we got to clean up but absolutely those guys deserve a, a ton of credit you know coach hoodie does a great job with those guys and they're only going to continue to get better speaking of cleaning up things i'm probably going to ask you one question every week that's you know if there's a coach listening it's going to be like me like you asking me how do you turn on a microphone it's obvious to people that are football coaches but not to guys like us so uh you don't plan on being in first and 20 too often do you actually when that happens just go with whatever play comes up or do you have sort of a package that's planned for you know penalties and longer distances yeah we uh we prepare for about every situation that you can be in and you know the thing about how a game flow unravels you don't know which ones are actually going to show up on any given saturday 
but you have to be prepared for them all. And that's the thing, you know, as coaches, we, we try to do a good job in our preparation and getting that message across to the kids. Um, but absolutely, you got to have a plan for all those situations and be ready to go because you got to call play and our guys got to understand what the situation is and they got to go execute. And then last thing, plan for FAMU. We're not going to have you unload the game plan, but what do you see on them defensively? They had a shutout going for a deep while against Jackson State. Man, I think their defense is, is excellent. They play a physical style of football. They're going to be attacking, you know, in the box. They, they play downhill, and they're not timid whatsoever. And they've won a bunch of football games in a row, you know, dating back to the, to the very first two of the season. Last year after that, they've been rocking and rolling and, and having a lot of confidence and swagger. And they are who they are. I think they've they've been that way, you know, in, in the program for a while. They've been very solid on that side of the ball, and it's going to be a great challenge for us to match the physicality and to execute, you know, for 60 minutes because they're they're definitely going to come to Tampa and they're going to bring it. Thank you very much, Joel. Good luck tonight. Thank you. All right, that's. Uh... Joel Gordon, offensive coordinator. We'll see what the offense can do coming up at the top of the hour against Florida A&M. When we come back on the other side of the break, we'll hear from Vice President of Athletics Michael Kelly down on the field. We are about 40 minutes before kickoff. The Bulls in Florida A&M. And down on the field is Vice President of Athletics Michael Kelly. Michael, let me start by asking you about the stadium news that came out this week. We're all excited to get shovels in the dirt, but there's so many things that have to happen first. That was a big one this week. It was a huge week for us, Jim. It's uh, so poetic that yesterday was the day, September 8th, when the Board of Governors approved our financing plan, and that's two weeks to the day that Will Weatherford challenged all of us as Bulls Nation to be able to uh, go ahead and make this stadium a reality. So to have to go from just a challenge and a visionary statement from our chairman to uh, to reality in two years is tremendous. And we're so grateful to the Florida Board of Governors and to the donors that have helped us get to this point to make it really a solid financing plan to make this a reality in the next couple of years. What happens next in the timeline? Well, now that we know we have full approval and, and full support of everybody that needs to do this, we will continue to, to really get deep into our um, design plans and uh, continue to work toward a final budget on the actual stadium and also realize we're building an operations building as part of this, uh, which is just awesome that we're going to be able to complete this. And so once we kind of get that work to uh, closure, we'll know exactly what the final budget is. We'll be able to present that to our board of trustees for final go-ahead, and then hopefully that means we'll be able to start construction uh, certainly by this time next year is our, our, our hope and our goal. So that, that's what we're going to continue to work toward uh, so we can make this a reality as soon as possible. The other big storyline this week was the support of Tampa General Hospital. They've been with the Bulls uh, in partnership for many years, but this is an all-new level that's really going to make an impact in the entire athletics district. It really is. As you know, we, we've had our seasons presented by Tampa General for a couple of years now, and that shows the kind of support they have for the Bulls. But to go up ahead and, and create a $25 million deal for us to support our vision 
for our stadium and our operations center. They're going to name both our operations center as part of this project and the athletics district. And as I've said many times, once this stadium and operations center is completed, we're going to have what I think is going to be one of the finest athletic districts in all of college sports. And we simply couldn't do it without the help of TGH. So they've been they've been tremendous. And it's a win-win too, Jim, because bottom line is they're going to have about five or 6,000 square feet within this facility that are going to allow them to serve not only our student athletes, which is what I think is going to be the best mental health, behavioral health, and sports psychology services in the country, but also be able to serve the Tampa Bay community with the needs that we have in those spaces. So a great win-win, one of those true win-wins that come together and to make sure that to, to have the greatest and biggest gift in USF Athletics history be with TGH means that they buy into our vision. We see a partnership there, and uh, I'm so excited about what that's going to deliver for both our student athletes and for us making our vision a reality. Looking around the department, it's men's soccer that gets the shout out this week. They tend to play a pretty grueling non-conference schedule, and they had number 15 Indiana in town. What a great atmosphere that was, and a big, big win for Bob Butehorn and his crew. It was truly a great atmosphere last night at Corbett Stadium. I know we've had some tough games on the on the road there and didn't play it to our best last week, but to come out and beat an eight-time national champion, number 15 ranked Indiana, and beat them. And frankly, I thought we controlled the game throughout and came out with an impressive 1-0 victory. So I hope we not only see that kind of crowd on Tuesday night, but even bigger when we host Clemson uh, here in men's soccer in a couple days. So that's going to be a big, big opportunity for Bob Uthorn and the guys. Final question, football first of three in a row at home with this one tonight. This is an important homestand. Everybody's excited about next week, but this is a great matchup tonight as well. Well, we love being able to play teams within the state of Florida. It makes sense for Florida A&M to come down the road and, and play us, and we're, we're proud to be able to play them. Uh, obviously, we got the FAU in our conference coming up in a couple weeks, but I like the way our schedule breaks to have the tough uh, road game we had last week. Now we've got three straight home games, one against in-state uh, foe here in, F in FAMU. Then next week we obviously have one of the top-ranked teams in the country and one of the most storied programs in America and Alabama, and then we open our conference slate with Rice, a fellow AAU institution here in a couple weeks. So perfect opportunity for us to continue to get better and better. Coach Golish to put his uh, vision together and for our fans to come out and support the Bulls uh, to their fullest. So excited about this three-game homestand. Great week for USF Athletics. Michael, thanks for your time. Enjoy the game. Thanks, Jim, and let's go Bulls. Appreciate everyone's support. Back inside Raymond James Stadium, Jim Lighthall with you on this Saturday night. It's the South Florida Bulls and the Florida A&M Rattlers coming your way at the top of the hour. We will hear from new head coach Alex Golish coming up in just a moment. You can keep up with South Florida Athletics with our 24-7 audio web stream called Bulls Unlimited. You can listen on the TuneIn app to catch Bulls Beat with Derek Sharp on Monday morning starting at 7 a.m. Todd Orlando, the defensive coordinator, is coming up in a moment. Want to check in on the sideline with Brian Urquhart once again. And Brian's down there amongst the recruits. And boy, what a big turnout for, <laughs> for this week's game, Ryan. They've got a ton of kids here for this one. Yeah, there's a large presence of recruits down here, and there's a palpable buzz on the field at the stadium. You can really sense the excitement and really a, a lot of optimism, whether it be amongst the recruits, the players, the fans in the building. It certainly feels like we're back here, first home opener of 2023. And Alex Golish said earlier this week he was asked about what kind of crowd he was expecting. He was hoping for a big crowd. A night game has a lot to do with that, too. 
Yeah, great opportunity for fans to come out, enjoy the evening. Of course, you know, you, you got the energy of a night game. You have all day to enjoy the festivities. You can go out, you can do a lot of stuff. But also, you know this, Jim, in this state, it can get pretty hot, and it is cooled off here tonight. We should have some excellent, excellent weather for a football game. Yeah, it's going to be about 84 degrees at kickoff. Wind really not a factor. No or precipitation, that is, later on tonight. Uh, Ryan, one of the things that I've heard from a lot of fans that wanted to come to this game tonight was they want to see this offense and this defense in person. You watch it on TV last week against Western Kentucky. They want to feel the speed. They want to see the speed. They want to feel like this proof of purchase. You know, you got a new head coach who brings all this offense in. They want to see it with their own eyes tonight. Yeah, and that was one of the selling points for Alex Golish is that when fans come here to watch these Bulls play, the offense is going to move fast. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun to watch with lots of fireworks. And then conversely on defense, he said hats are going to fly around and guys are going to go out there and make exciting plays. And that's what they're going to see tonight. They're going to see guys who are going to go out, make those kind of effort plays, and hopefully bring home a win. 540 yards of total offense offense last week hopefully the Bulls can top that this week once again I love the uniform combination if you're just coming into Raymond James Stadium maybe you're still in the parking lot some last minute tailgating it's an old school look tonight green on green with the gold helmets it feels like BJ Daniels going to be out there throwing balls tonight Ryan <laughs> might feel like you might get a little blast from the past in that <laughs> regard but it should be a good one tonight between the Bulls and the Raptors. All right Todd Orlando the defensive coordinator it's his job to slow down Florida A&M he spoke earlier this week. With Coach Todd Orlando, Coach, I know that you're always going to look at things that you can improve, but let me just say, I thought first effort, getting off the field and the way you guys did it was pretty impressive. I know you could have done better in your eyes, but how do you think? Well, I thought, you know, the training part of coming out of fall camp and the effort and the strain and the physicality was, you know, I kind of expected that to carry over into the game. It just goes down to situational football where, you know, I, especially when you're talking about third down, there were some critical third down stops. If we can make those, um, get our offense back on the field again, and but they ended up uh, leading the point. So um, there's a process in terms of how to win. Um, we went into it. We we talked to the guys about what they did physically and, and their effort, which was outstanding. Now we have to clean up some of the football part of the execution, just like you talked about. Um, but um, they came out practice this week. Um, they're ready to go. They want to learn. They want to win. And uh, that's what we have to do a good job of educating them. One thing, and again, praise to, to the scheme and the game plan, third and eight, third and nine, you, you didn't rush much. You dropped your guys back. You trusted them back there. Let them have the stuff underneath. Uh, could you describe your confidence in your, in your guys basically as cover in the secondary? Well, they did a good job. There's, you know, there's some calls that I probably wish I had back, but, you know, uh, we had worked at uh, – you know, I played the, those guys last year at my previous stop, um, the quarterback. Um, he's going to throw the football if he gets anybody close to him. So, you know, sometimes you're going to take your – but you you have to keep him off rhythm a little bit. He can't sit the back there and just pat the ball all day. But I thought the guys did a good job of um, getting on people and, and not playing passive. There's a handful of plays, some critical plays that I thought we were – you know, um, I would like to see our guys just I, – I, I've told them this a million times. I said, like, when you work your tail off and – um, you do things the way that we ask you to do and you're accountable. You've kind of earned the right to fail. You know, sometimes I think they're such good kids and, you know, they, they want to do well and sometimes that kind of hurts you. So I said, you know, next game we go out here and it's third and ten and, you know, and 
just just go up there and challenge guys. You know what? You've done everything the right way. It's not like you're going to get demoted or, or fired <laughs> off. Of it. I'd rather find out like where we're at than when I know that we're going to give up a play. So all part of the, the, the learning curve, and that's the, the biggest thing about winning is is to really just cut it loose and go out there and uh, have the confidence to be able to make plays. Now, you can't always see what everybody's doing when there were a couple, many times in the game, not just a couple times, when the offense needed you guys to come up with a stop, and you did. Did you gather that certain players on the defense were like, let's go, challenge accepted, let's do this? Yeah, I mean, it's it's part of the way that we play. I think everybody has to understand that our offense, the way that they play is to wear people down and then really go for the knockout punch. And, um, you know, things are going to happen when you're, when you're going fast. And, you know, uh, I love our quarterback. I thought, you know, I, I know that, you know, people are going to look at some of the, the, the interception and all that stuff. But, man, the way that he battled it, it's like I'm telling you, if you're a defensive guy and you watch his effort towards the tail end of that game and you watch how much, like, he strained to get first downs and just he just emptied the tank, it's a learning process for him. But that's the guy you want to you go to war for. Like, our kids are on the sidelines. They understand what he's going going through, and they're, they're going to go out and battle for those guys. That's the, the one thing that I didn't see a team that pointed fingers. I didn't see a team that was, you know, on the sidelines, you know, yelling at each other. Uh, that, and that's a credit to, to Coach. And then, you know, came here, and, and we really tried to bond this team as close together. Now we have to just figure out <clears throat> in critical situations how to make plays when, uh, you know, when you're going to get in competitive ball games when you're on the road versus a good team. You mentioned Byram. Uh, people don't look at this kind of stuff. End of the half can be really important. Yeah. He's about to go out of bounds with 85 seconds on the clock, and he stays in bounds and basically ends the half, stuff like that. And you want to play for a guy like that. Now, in, on our radio broadcast, if anyone was listening last week, they heard that we were right next to the Western Kentucky coaches, and it gets colorful, I'm sure, in the booth. First time with kind of a new group in your situation when you have some colorful characters, you try and keep them in line. No, it, it's. I think all the people that have ever worked with me, that that thing should be as like hmm. almost to the point where like, are you still up there? Or like, I'm really, really want it clear as much as possible. I don't want emotion. I'll ask what happened, and I expect guys to tell me like, this person got beat. This guy popped out of a gap. Hey, listen, this DB cut a guy loose. Most of the stuff I can see on the sidelines, but uh, you'd be surprised how calm ours is. Our, ours is just that way because the second you add emotion into uh, the play calling, it's you know it's it's almost like you might as well just go into stands and you know, people yelling and screaming that way, and it's really hard to think. So like if if you went up to James and you went up to Matt. And you said, like, what's the headset like on there? They're, they're probably, it's probably the cleanest that it is. But that's, you know, uh, that stuff doesn't really help, to be honest with you. All it does is create chaos. Like, you just want answers up there. Like, why are you screaming? Like, I, you're, you know, let's get it figured out. Let's get them to the sidelines and get it fixed. Well, hopefully this week against Florida A&M, you don't get much chatter at all, just good execution. But this is a team that's on quite the winning streak. What did you see last week yeah, in the film? you know, it's uh, – I like the fact that they like to establish the run game. I think it is. Um, they'll come out in two tight end sets. Um, they'll run some tackle over, which is unique by itself, some unbalance, which is unique. They've got skilled guys that can run, run, um, explosive guys. you got an older quarterback that's been playing for a long time in the system for a couple years. He throws a really, really nice touch deep ball. So, um, But like I said beforehand, it's we're getting to the point where – 
it's it's mainly becoming about us. We have so much to get cleaned up, you know what I'm saying? So every week, as much as if we want to show them what the scheme is, we want to show them who their personnel is, but we're really, when we go to practice, it's about our practice habits and keeping things tightened up because, you know, sometimes you get into it and everybody's fired up about preseason and first game, but are we going to keep that edge to us all the way through the season? Only time will tell. And that's truly comes down to belief. And I think our kids, for the most part, understand that we're changing a culture. That's a piece of it. That gives you an opportunity to win. But then the situational football and some of the things that we did poorly, that ultimately takes you over the top when you're playing versus a good team. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's really what we talked about in the last couple of days to go along and rep the things that, uh, that they do and uh, talk about their personnel. Excellent. Thank you very much, Coach. Appreciate you. All right, Derek, making victory possible, presented by USF Health. Joey Johnston joins me. Joey will have the call of the game along with Jim Lauk coming up at the top of the hour. Joey, USF played very physical at Western Kentucky. That was straight from the head coach's mouth, Alex Golish. You know, that could come in handy tonight when you're facing a Florida A&M team that's got 20 fewer scholarships. Yeah, you're right. Being on the field last week against Western Kentucky, it was a palpable feeling of physicality. They were hitting harder. They were in the right places. Uh, they made the whole toppers pay time and time again. And when you're playing an outmanned opponent such as the Rattlers are tonight, no question, if you hit harder, uh, you're going to back down eventually. So if they can bring that level of physicality, that could be a difference maker. And the Bulls really ran the football against the Hilltoppers last Saturday, but Alex Golish said his offensive line didn't adjust very well to Western Kentucky's pass rush. Remember, they allowed five sacks. Byron Brown only completed 44% of his passes. Byron's got to be a lot more efficient, and I think the reason he wasn't as efficient last week, he sort of had happy feet, and he threw the ball a little too quickly. He, he, he didn't have a lot of patience in the pocket when he had a pocket. So if the offensive line can tighten up on pass protection, I think we'll see a much more efficient Byron Brown. One injury note, we told you at the very top of the pregame that R.J. Perry was a game-time decision. He was not working with the first-teamers in warm-ups just a few moments ago. Derek Bowman was working with them instead. We'll see whether or not Bowman gets the nod after the opening kickoff. Another thing, Joey, the Bulls have to cut down on the penalties. 11 for 100 yards last week. They do. Alex Golish was encouraged that there was only one pre-snap type of penalty, but 11 for 100 is, is way too many, and you don't want to see that continue or certainly grow. The Bulls have got to cut that in half or less in order to operate more efficiently. Uh, maybe it's to be expected game one, year one, but that's got to be corrected. Finally, Joey, the Bulls can't let this game mean more to Florida A&M than it does to them. And I say that because this is the Rattlers' only game this season against an FBS opponent. Their resume looks good. They want to prove it to the national pundits that they're for real. They do, but USF has something to prove every time it goes out this season. I think Alex Golish put it best when he said, who are we to look past anybody at this point? USF has an 11-game losing streak. They've got to win games, and it's got to start tonight. They've got Alabama coming in, and then the conference slate after that. They can't overlook anyone, anywhere, anyhow, and that includes tonight when the Rattlers come in. Thank you, Joey. Making Victory Possible, presented by USF Health, ranked as the nation's fastest-rising medical school for research and primary care over the past decade by U.S. News and World Report. When we come back, Jim Lauk sits down with the architect himself, head coach Alex Golish. Welcome back to Raymond James Stadium. Feels good to say that. First home game of the year, the Bulls and Florida A&M. Head coach Alex Golish joins us. 
Coach, uh, you can learn a lot about your team between weeks one and two, I'm sure. What have practices been like this week? Have you been pleased by what you've seen? Yeah, I think it took a second for our kids to kind of lick their wounds a little bit. And, um, you know, we talked about resetting on Monday morning. I really do feel like it probably dragged a little bit into into Monday night. But I think by the time we got out on the field on Tuesday, um, they, they reset. You know, I, I think for them – the expectation of what they put into it was a lot. Uh, enough, clearly not, but a lot in terms of what they've been used to. And so for them continuing to build our process in terms of resetting and moving on to the next one and understanding how we got to keep adjusting our process to earn the right to win at the end of the week um, has been has been energizing. Uh, I thought they came out, worked, worked really hard Tuesday, Wednesday, cleaned some things up Thursday, and feel like now they're ready to roll. Don't want to look back too much at game one, but it was noticeable, and I think a lot of fans picked up on this as well, how the Bulls came out of the gate at the beginning of the game ready to play, ready to execute. That had been a challenge for South Florida teams the last couple of years. Did that please you? I mean, watching those first few minutes, you had to feel like, wow, these guys have been listening. I was certainly excited about the way we started. And to be honest with you, excited about the effort throughout the whole game. I, I think that that you got a small glimpse into what the standard is here, which is that you're going to play really, really hard. Now the next step is playing really, really smart and executing in some critical situations. But but from an effort standpoint and from an excitement level coming right out the gate, I was really pleased. Well, let's talk about Florida A&M a little bit. FBS versus FCS, and, and all the guys who did the media hits this week were pretty united in saying, you know, look, we practice the way we practice, we prepare the way we prepare, doesn't matter who we're playing in that sense. Have you gotten a feel for that? Are these guys focused on the game and the process? Man, I certainly feel that way. I, I think all you got to do is flip the film on, like, like I, I don't know, I don't know the difference between FBS, FCS. Like, they've got really good players. They've got really good coaches. That that's a team that knows how to win. They've won a bunch of games over the last couple of years. That's a head coach that's won a bunch of games the last couple of years. Uh, they're similar to us. They got a bunch of transfers playing in a bunch of different spots. Uh, they got a veteran quarterback, which always makes you makes you take two looks, right? And and so. Uh, I don't think our kids in any way, shape, or form are, are certainly looking past them or looking looking over them. Um, they know it's a really good football team. What's, what's cool about within our, our walls, maybe different than on the outside, is you, you actually turn the film on. <laughs> and so you get a chance to watch matchup for matchup. They've got really good football players. Well, they beat Jackson State, and that's a team that – Kind of had their number the last couple of years. They hadn't been able to beat, and they got out big in uh, the game on Sunday. What did the tape show you about what they do well? You know what? They've kind of done the same thing for a couple of years. You know, you, you look at last year, it looks the same. You look at two years ago, it looks the same. They, they're very systematic in what they do on both sides of the football. Um, you know, veteran quarterback you can tell that he's played a bunch of football. You can tell that he's an older guy. He doesn't panic. Uh, that's the first thing that jumps out on film. The fact that they've got speed on the perimeter, that's the second thing that jumps out on film. And then defensively, you look at, you watch them, and they're designed not to give up the big play. Um, there's, you look at scores 
whether it was the Jackson State one or any score a year ago, every single game is a low-scoring game. They play hard. They play really good defense. They stop the run. So those are all things that, that as you look at, starting with last week with the Jackson State game, that's a confident group on both sides of the ball with a veteran quarterback. That's dangerous. You've talked a lot about the importance of turnovers all the way through camp, and and sure enough, three to nothing, the wrong uh, direction in game one, and it, it made a big, big difference. What's the lesson from that? I mean, how, what do you do to try to get turnovers and try to get that stat into your favor? Well, you, you, you've got to make sure that defensively, any ball that you get anywhere near, you get, get a chance to get your hands on, you better come down with it. There's, those opportunities are few and far between. Uh, now, you've got to earn the right for that to happen, and, and that comes through extra ball drills, extra, extra work, how you emphasize it in practice. And I don't mean this week. I mean every day of fall camp, summer, how much are these guys on the jugs machines, how much are they simply working that. We've worked it a ton. It didn't show up last week, but, but it will show up. Uh, offensively, you, you can't turn the football over, and that starts with protecting the quarterback and making sure that, that that ball that's getting delivered from a quarterback perspective, that he's comfortable and accurate and can get his feet in the ground. So it's everybody's job, uh, you know, defensively, obviously, to, to cause them, but offensively, it goes under the quarterback with the two interceptions, but it's everybody's job to make sure that those don't happen. And so I don't think you do anything crazy. Uh, you can't flip out because you've got to make sure that from the beginning your process was right and how you were addressing it. Because as soon as you flip out and you make a big point of something, something else is going to go. So you've got to trust the fact that we've been handling it the right way and it'll come our way here. In watching the tape of week one, Boy, Byron Brown, you saw it right away. You talked about it in the post game about how tough he is. You know, to play quarterback at this level, you got to have the great arm. You got to see the field. You got to do this. You got to do that. But you got to have that it factor as well. And this kid, for a kid that's still 18 years old, seems to have it. Yeah, the that's one thing you probably can't coach um, is the fact that he's tough. He's really smart. Um, he certainly developed as a passer. Now we got to get him comfortable back there so that he could feel really, really confident in the ability to get in and deliver throws. But decision-making in the run game was phenomenal. He pulled it when he had to pull it. He ran with it when he had to run with it. Decision-making in the pass game. He was, he was on the right guys at the right time. Um, man, I bet you he would tell you he'd love to have a couple of those back as well. So part of his growth, part of his process, he's had an incredible week. He's, he's certainly a guy that this entire football program believes in, and which is why he's a captain again this week. We're all excited about the on-campus stadium until that happens. This is a pretty cool venue, too. How's it feel to be coaching your first home game at Raymond James Stadium? Yeah, really cool. You talk about talk about what this means to our city and you're right in the heart of Tampa and it's a Saturday night and and uh, there's green lights on so I couldn't couldn't ask for anything better really excited to, to get this thing kicked off coach thanks good luck tonight thank you so much go Bulls head coach of the Bulls Alex Golish it's week two of the season it's the first home game and it's coming right up the Bulls in Florida A&M on the South Florida Bulls radio network